Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to episode 200 of the Great Women in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and for the very last time, Mary Shirley. We are delighted to be joining you today. Lisa and I are on a bit of a high as we've attended the Women in Compliance Summit in Atlanta together earlier this week. And it's the first Women in Compliance conference that I'm aware of in the United States. So that was a pretty unique uh, opportunity for us to have. And we got a great deal of catching up done, fun and frolics and amongst all of the learning and networking at the event as well. So we have prepared an episode today uh, partially in celebration of the Big 200. Um, And so we will be doing mini interviews with each other as the first prong of the session. And then moving on to the world famous Gwikis. Now, as you all know, these are the big time. Rihanna is just over there. Um, Margot Robbie has just walked on by. Uh, it's a big deal. Lisa is in a full length sequin gown, all gussied up for the uh, prestigious Gwikis. So without further ado, let's crack on and get into the interviews. So Lisa, shall I go first? Yes, go go right ahead. And I'm, we're, we, we're really waiting for Lizzo to come back a little. She's running a few minutes late, but with that in <laughs> mind, I guess we should probably go ahead with the interviews. <laughs> Excellent. So um, my first question for you is a query about whether there's anything that you would have done differently about the podcast armed with the benefit of four and a half years of hindsight. Such an interesting question because I feel like I'm not exactly sure what that would have been because I had no idea what I was getting into. And in Mm. some ways, I think looking back on it, and it's the lesson I may take going forward, is maybe to have something that's a bit more of a standard prep questionnaire or information, like a page worth of, of things, as opposed to me, you know, I would generally put together an outline and send it. But to, to get something from someone that at least says maybe something just like almost like a Microsoft form or something that kind of gives a couple things that we always like to remind people. It's about the individual, not their organization. You know, what is the title they want to be? What, you know, what would they like for their bio? I mean, I, I draft it and people will look at it. And also a little bit about what they want to talk about to just to kind of maybe make that a little bit easier. That's something I've been Mm -hmm. thinking about lately. On the other hand, I'm not sure if that takes away a little bit of the spontaneity, but one of those Mm -hmm. things to be able to have a a process and retain things like that. I mean, in in hindsight, I probably would have pushed Dolly Parton since we're talking about women for the theme song a little harder. Oh yeah. That is a good call. I think following up with Dolly Parton, should definitely be on our our regrets list. Yeah, yeah. So, but but something like that to kind of have a little bit more organization from day one on what we were asking for and what we want, what what would help for us, and to, and to make sure that the guest was getting what they wanted out of it ahead of time. So with yeah. that, I might throw that. I thought that was such a great question that I wanted to ask you what what mm-hmm. the same you know what what you would think about that. 
So before we spoke just now, I actually, my, my initial answer that I'd prepared was absolutely nothing. I wouldn't change a thing. But now that you've said your answer, I kind of want to change my approach ever so slightly. And so hitting on this pragmatic point. So I think anyone who's looking at starting up a podcast, and I certainly had someone at the Women in Compliance Summit uh, approach me to let me know that uh, she's looking at, at doing one and what are the tips. I think it would be very similar uh, to what you were saying, but the angle that I would look at is uh, it took me a while to realize that there were certain sort of expectations about what you need to be ready for the podcast. And they're super simple and basic. It's things like you need a strong Wi-Fi connection. Please try to use um, earphones or a headset that has a microphone attached. If you try to use just your laptop, uh, it can be really problematic from a sound quality perspective uh, and so on. So having, you know, eventually I ended up providing that, but it wasn't something that I was doing at the very early stages. So I think from a pragmatic standpoint that would have been helpful and you know I think that's maybe one of those things that oftentimes you just pick up from having done it because you and I were quite diligent about speaking to people who had done podcasts before but of course we had to find our own way as well yeah now that that that's a great one too originally my first answer when you mentioned the question was I don't think there's anything so finally same thing yeah. as you I kind of thought well what would it be it was really hard, you know, from the beginning, there was so, it was so fun trying to figuring it out at times. Mm -hmm. So with that, let me ask you a quick question. You know, as, as everyone knows, you have recently started in a new job. And mm -hmm. when, when you do that, obviously there's a whole process before that happens. Um, and I was wondering, I'm sure people gave you great advice and insight, you know, in this community and others, but what was the mm -hmm. best piece of advice that you got or something that really, really helped you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, what was probably repeated the most when people learned that I was looking at a new chapter was, um, you know, I'm sure you're already doing this, but make sure you leverage your network. And uh, I think that is good advice. And I was pretty indiscriminate at times in terms of um, even contacting people that I hadn't spoken to before and just being like, well, if they choose not to respond, that's totally cool. Not going to give them any kind of award for sending the elevator back down, though. Uh, and of course, there were plenty like that. And equally, there were plenty that responded that was super helpful, super encouraging with advice. And, um, and one of the sort of caveats, I would say, from sort of sitting on the other side when I'm the hiring manager is that I think a lot of people get given advice to try and get informational interviews. And I would just say, make sure that you're doing those for the right reasons. If you're genuinely interested in speaking to the person and learning more, if the only reason you want to have an, an informational interview is to get yourself in front of the hiring manager in the hope that they'll think of you when they're next hiring, or if they hear of anything in their network, I think it's a much more authentic way to introduce yourself as such, uh, be respectful of their time and intelligence and not ask for an informational interview when you don't actually need or want one. And the sort of typical question that comes out is, so uh, how did you get into compliance? And, you know, for, for many people now, it's kind of irrelevant how we got into compliance because it was that sort of accidental uh, compliance officer type situation, which really is very different to the world that we're currently in, where you can choose to study compliance at university. Um, it seems like an interesting career. It seems like a sought after career. 
And so um, the advice is not so pertinent. And if you don't really care about that advice in the first place, it's just kind of wasting people's time. So my sort of spin on leveraging your network would be be smart and strategic about how you leverage your network. And I go back to the older, my own sort of, I don't know if adage is the right word, but the, the principle that I try to live by is that by the time you're making an ask of somebody, you should already have a few credits in the bank. Um, you should already have done something for them ideally, um, which of course isn't always going to be the case. And so, you know, to my point about um, reaching out to people that I hadn't spoken with before, I was very candid about saying, um, I know that this is uh, my first time reaching out and uh, in an, I an ideal world, I would have liked to have um, had a pre-existing uh, discussion going or or formed some bonds. So please allow me to say sincerely, if there's ever anything I can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. And now here's my ask. <laughs> okay. Um, do, you, do you want to go with one for me or should I keep on a roll here? Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to jump back in. So one of my favorite episodes of ours harks back a long, long way um, to, I think it was probably our very first joint episode. So kind of uh, fitting that um, the, the circle closes with me asking you this one, which is what is the best advice for women looking to advance their career um, that, that stands out for you? Yeah, and it's a great question. I think one of the most important things to think about is what you actually want for the role as much, if not more, and probably more than the title. If you say you want to be a chief compliance officer, there are plenty of organizations that will give you that title and you will not have a program or anything else, and it'll be a 20-person company that you're the only compliance person. So think about if, that, if that's what you want, that's fantastic. But think about what are the different subject areas? What is the role actually doing within the organization? What are the risks? What are the areas? Spend more time thinking about those things because I think titles can or will come down the line. I mean, you want to look at the substance and the responsibility and the seniority, but don't get too caught up sometimes in what a title is, because I think that that sometimes can be a problem. I also think that's a tough one with, when it comes to women, because I think sometimes women undersell themselves, so it's kind of a double-edged one. But I think it's really important to think about what you want to do every day at work, not what you're being called. Mm. And, and, and I think a couple, there are two other things I've seen as, is trying to always be open. Be, be, be open to ideas or feedback or something that might be a little different than what you're thinking initially um, to do that. And then, you know, that may actually come out to be a really great opportunity. So it be open to whether it's critical feedback or other things or their feedback about, while well, you might be fabulous at doing X, Y, and Z. Um, that could really open up your career path and even end you back in the same direction. So those are two of the biggest ones I have thought about recently. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing, Lisa. And with that, I have to, um, you know, I couldn't go through interviewing without, you know, talking about your book that's coming out right now. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm also sort of a hype woman and I just want to start, if we talk about women's songs, start singing the Level Up song, but I'll put everyone out of their misery <laughs> and not do that on our last episode. I'd like people to come back again. <laughs> But 
you know, it, we did the, the, the quick book and sending the elevator back down. What to you was kind of the, the you know, Taiwan, I wanted to hear a little bit about your experience doing this as your own, you know, completely on your own and where you mm -hmm. weren't using contributors as much as mm -hmm. it, it was, it was all Mary Shirley. So mm -hmm. I wanted to just hear, hear a little bit about that and if, you know, your experience and if anything surprised you or changes. Yeah, I think it, it won't be too surprising, uh, but I will tell you it was pretty hard. The angle of length. So, you know, when you're writing a book, you really do need to have it be a book-worthy length of content to be able to to move forward. And there were times, you know, I would be doing it in, in, in bits and pieces because, of course, I have a job. So I'd be doing this um, in the evenings, on the weekends, every now and again for, for a couple of years putting the the material together and you know one of the things that you and I've talked about recently is um I think a, a pitfall of speaking at conferences um sometimes even writing articles being on podcasts and so on can be that people forget that telling their own story for a hundred percent of the time is not going to be the most riveting unless you're maybe someone like Oprah um, and and you've got a really sort of fascinating or overcoming a lot of um, obstacles to triumph kind of thing. So um, coming up with the appropriate length that was what I like to call value add. So um, that's going to be things like actionable tips and takeaways, um, things that uh, resonate with people that they can relate to that make them feel important, kind of encouraged, inspired and motivated. Um, so uh, really trying to make sure that I, I didn't waffle on too much about, uh, you know, my own sort of musings and things and try to have it be, um, what I really hoped for aspirationally, at least was, was quality content. And in the end, there was a bit of crowdsourcing going on. So, you know, we're very fortunate you and I to, um, have a lot of contacts who are the best and brightest in the field. And so as I started hearing more fabulous ideas from others about, you know, leveling up their compliance programs or people chatting with me about the book, I was able to then incorporate some of, of their ideas as well to, to help get there. So one of the common threads with our um, OG Gwick book, Sending the Elevator Back Down, what we've learned from Great Women in Compliance and my new book, is that both of them truly exist um, and couldn't have happened without a little help from my friends. So very grateful to all of you who have um, helped make either or both of those books come together and, and anyone who has supported by getting yourself a copy of the first book and intends to get a copy of, of the latest one, I'm really very grateful and uh, that extends to basically the, the community as a whole, including and yourself, Miss Lisa. Well, you do commit, though, and I'm going to have you say it on the podcast. Once you know the pre the, the pre sell link and date, because it'll be on Amazon, you're going to put it out there, right? Well, actually, um, the um, situation is is that this one is going to be um, uh, sold predominantly on corporate compliance insights, um, uh, which is Sarah Hedden's, uh website as an ebook initially. And then I'll be selling the hard copy version uh, with the launch from the 3rd of October this year. So the avenues remain to be seen for the paperback one, um, but certainly if you're attending the 
Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics, CEI in Chicago in October. Um, we'll certainly be able to mingle in person um, to, to uh, do a hard copy transfer there, the paperback. Okay. Well, you'll keep us up on how we can receive that. And I just, you know, Sarah has been a wonderful sponsor for all mm -hmm. of the books and for our whole mm -hmm. community. So supporting her on that is the best part. Absolutely. Thumbs up. Um, so my final question for you is a futurist type question. What is a skill you're working on to hold you in good stead in the constantly evolving area of ethics and compliance? Well, I'm not sure if it's a skill, but it is thinking as a futurist. And I, I feel like it's almost like my cop-out answer. But to some degree, I've been thinking a lot about, like everyone else, AI and learning about what's happening in that area and, first of all, where it can be used versus where it should be used and how I'm thinking about AI in two different aspects, pretty much. One, how can it be effectively used as a tool? What are the benefits? Um, and how can we um, you know, best utilize it going forward as organizations in a much larger context um, than just even with ethics and compliance. So that's my first point about how do we use mm -hmm. this as a tool, what's right. The second part in ethics and compliance is to think about the ethics of using AI and AI mm -hmm. generally, when does it work? And I, I think the example I think a lot about working in an organization in the higher education field that's really trying to figure out how to deploy it for students and lifelong learning is, mm -hmm. for example, if you're going to come up with some idea of AI tutors that can really help target people for certain skills and are areas that are great, how do you do that in a way to make sure that, first of all, people are still aware this is AI, not a person, this isn't your human tutor. How do you do that in a way that's effective for people and how do you make this a, a beneficial tool where people have the awareness of what, what it is and some of the AI that comes from this like knowledge from crowd surfing or online or however you want to call it, making sure that the ethics of it do bring out the beneficial things that people should be learning or teaching and, you know, making that keep building ethical organizations and an even larger and ethical society. So it's basically the how and the what can we use for this. So those are the things Beautiful. I've been thinking a lot about. How do I, how do mm -hmm. I grow myself to try to be on that front end of things? Mm -hmm. Well, I look forward to listening to your insights, hopefully in an upcoming podcast episode, Lisa. It's me and my bot. We'll be together. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we got to end. We got to end on a high. So we will have virtual Lisa, the, the bot. So <laughs> and with that, I guess that's a perfect segue to the Gwikis. Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. Well, um, would you like to go first? Sure, I will. We and just for everyone who might have started listening later, when we were deciding on our hundredth episode, we decided that this would be a really fun way to kind of recognize that number. So now we've done the zeros and the fives on this, and um, I think now that we've done these about three times, and I love threes, I feel like this is we're going out with a high with these, and I'm going to start by looking very, very far back. And the first quickie I'm going to give out mm -hmm. is the first four. From, and this is, I think you want to contribute to this one as well. Our first four interviewees are just four 
fabulous women who become a part of this community um, and mentors, advocates, sponsors, and friends. And some of my relationships even started from that um, too. And that's Christy, Christy Grant Hart, Ellen Hunt, Michelle Beisto, and Yvette Lingham. I mm. never want to listen to those episodes again. Me neither. But I never listened to them before that. I think that's advice for future mm -hmm. podcasters. You don't want to hear the first episode. But so grateful that they hopped on this journey with us and, and really helped, at least for me, and I'm sure for you, they, they've been supports throughout and helped us figure out how to do a podcast. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing was we didn't have a track record at the time. And so they just completely put their trust in our hands and allowed us to put their reputations on the line. Um, thankfully, I think it turned out okay, but it, it didn't have to. And so the fact that these uh, great women in compliance were willing to, to do that for us, I'm forever grateful. Yeah, they were, they were great. Now, what about you? What's your first question? So my first one is for someone both of us know uh, by the name of Amy Landry. Amy gets the super supporter Gwiki uh, because I cannot really think of anyone who so consistently um, has supported both you and me individually as well as the podcast and just really cheered us on um, from the outset. So Amy, um, thank you so much for your kindness um, and just being consistently uh, kind to us, and letting us know the impact of the podcast. It's so appreciated. Yeah, she also, I mean, she she also communicated about the podcast to others and mm -hmm. has just done so many just terrific things with that. I completely agree with that. My mm -hmm. next one is um, for a wiki for creative team building. And this is Carolyn Renzen um, mm -hmm. from FanDuel. And from talking to her the first few times, I just got to know her a little bit this year. And then she was mm -hmm. a guest. I thought, it was such a fascinating experience to learn about FanDuel, which is the online betting on mm -hmm. sports books, and particularly with some of the uh, American professional football leagues, mm -hmm. particularly, you know, the American Football League, Go Bills. Sorry, mm -hmm. I had to put it in there. But I thought it was really, really interesting how they're building a team at the same time they may be moving and build, helping work with regulators to actually regulate this industry that everyone agrees needs good regulations and good corporate citizens. And at the same time she's helping to do that, she's building a team using different people from an organization, figuring out what works both for her organization and to build a future infrastructure. And I just thought that was fascinating, creative approach. And for those of us who often have to struggle with resources, the idea that you as the as an as a ethics and compliance function, you are the resource because the business you're both two sides of the same coin. I just thought was fascinating and how she's utilized that. Super. That's a good one. My next one is uh, a great gentleman in compliance, Stephen Geisley, who's based out in Houston and leads the compliance function at Marathon Oil. Stephen is such a gem, and I know that he's not um, only been so kind uh, to me, but uh, other women in the field. And so he's getting the great woman in compliance wiki for being a champion ally. Uh, he's just a real star, um, sweet person. And uh, I said to him recently that he is the type of person that, uh, in terms of being like a cheerleader and supporter, 
that everybody deserves to have in their life, but not everybody is lucky enough to have. So thank you, Stephen, for making a huge impact. Um, it's to the point where you're not even in the room. And uh, uh, one of my dearest friends and I um, speak about how amazing you are and, and how much you mean to us as being an ally. So thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. My next one is a quickie for using both thought leadership and connecting of people. And as a connector, and it's for Kim Yapchai, and I think everybody oh, yes. in the community knows her, and I know you feel the same. Love Kim. She, not only is she really, really good at building relationships between people and really knowing what she, you know, substantively, she's just amazing. She's also got a great way. Uh, something I, I would inspire, aspire to do as well as I, as well as half as well as she does, is to bring different people she knows together based on interest, ability, you know, or people she thinks would be unique in whether it's through ESG or talking about boards or all of her experience in different areas. There's something that's so, I'm going to repeat, thoughtful about the way she interacts with people and builds connections among, amongst people. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a really, it's just an impressive quality from a woman who is a great supporter of, I think, most of us in this community. Mm -hmm. And somehow she manages to add more people to help out too in that <laughs> thoughtful way. Yeah, I love Kim. Um, you know, when we talked a little earlier in the episode about leveraging your network, Kim is someone that was consistently thinking of me and I'm just so thankful to know her. What a star. Yeah. Well, uh, my next one is uh, Lisa Estrada. Um, and I wanted to give Lisa a wiki for women supporting women. Lisa is a former boss of mine. Um, she brought me into the United States. And so it's kind of interesting that that's not the focal point of the wiki because I actually owe Lisa um, the, the, the great American dream. In fact, um, without her, I would not be living in the United States today, I'm sure. So um, the focus, however, is that Lisa is like the opposite of um, Queen Bee Syndrome. So um, she's the kind of boss that uh, supports you doing what you want to do. Um, she only wants other people to be successful and um uh, so much of, of my time here has been through, uh, helped along through her wise counsel, um, and, and smarts. Um, I've learned so much from her. And in fact, she does, uh, feature quite prominently in the new book because she is one of the greatest innovators, I believe, um, in the legal and compliance space. So cheers to you, Lisa. And going from such a, an uplifting, um, and, you know, women supporting women, I'm now going to what I call the dubious achievement wiki. And Mary, <laughs> I know you'll have comments on this, is, is to the company, the crypto company FTX, but particularly their compliance officer, Daniel Friedberg, who I'm just reading from some of the things I've read about him. It, timing came out perfectly because I was always thinking of FTX, but then everything, him being sued, mm. uh, there are allegations that he, he acted like a fixer for the company. He settled with the whistleblower and then retained the law firm for the whistleblower and never actually asked for any services, but apparently allegedly put them on a retainer. He's mm -hmm. now being sued by their new manage management um, 
are conspiring to hide fraud. The amazing part of it also is this isn't his first brush with an issue where he <laughs> might have hidden fraud. So he was at a Canadian online poker provide company in like 2008. And I saw that, he was, that that company was fined like $1.5 million for their failure to prevent fraud. So if we talk about the theory of managing to fail up, 15 years mm -hmm. later, this, this man, this man managed to be able to do the same thing again. And then has now turned some, you know, is working with the, the government to, you know, basically try to save himself. So to me, this is kind of the worst of, you know, it's like, you know, you know, compliance officers gone bad. So I thought yes. that was something to share. And, you know, I don't think this is a one-off. I was just commenting to Matt Kelly recently that there is such a critical mass of compliance officers gone bad that he could legitimately set up a um, compliance officer naughty corner on radical compliance, and there would be quite a few articles in it now. Yeah. I don't actually know if he's if they are going to want to send me their address to get their certificate, but not. <laughs> well, you never know, Lisa. Like Dolly, we could all that we can do is ask. All that we can do is ask, but then again, I think it's probably the first and only time that Daniel Friedberg and Dolly part be in the same sentence. <laughs> 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 Well, um, my next one is for Wendy Badger. Um, Wendy gets a wiki for bravery. Um, a short time ago, Wendy posted on LinkedIn um, that she was leaving the role that she was currently in and taking some time to reassess. And she made some comments about not being sure that legal and compliance um, was, was right for her moving forward. And uh, I was speaking to another friend who is going through a difficult time in terms of being at a crossroads and uncertainty about what the future holds. And I, I'm thinking that this can be a really isolating time and you don't realize that there are other people out there who are kind of wringing their hands thinking, what, what the heck am I doing? Um, is there something better out there for me? Um, is it just, you know, going to another uh, company that would make things different? Or is it that I need to leave the space completely? Should I not even be at a desk all day? Um, should I be giving back more um, than than uh, chasing my retirement funds? Um, and the friend that I spoke with, she was saying so much of Wendy's post resonated with her and was super relatable, but she herself would not be able to say it out loud um, in, in public like that. And so um, I'm glad Wendy did. I'm glad that she made other people feel less alone, more normal, um, and uh, that she is consciously thinking about what's right for her because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just put on the the goggles and and keep walking forward because we think that's where we're supposed to be going and life is not necessarily like that so um good on you wendy um i think you inspired more people than you know and i'm glad to see that you got a boatload of support on your post um which indicates to me that uh not only is it the case that people support you but there's a probably a, a good percentage of those are also uh, having a weight off their shoulders as you said thoughts and words that have been going through their own minds that they haven't had the courage to say out loud yet and I'll say if somebody who did that earlier in my career and when I quit practicing law and went mm -hmm. out to Park City Utah 
it was scary, but there was so much that was good about it. And I, nobody said anything and I did feel alone. And when I read her, her post, uh -huh. I, it kind of brought mm -hmm. me back, but in a good way. Yeah. But the yeah. other thing that I found was fascinating is that people in those positions and why I loved her courage on it, I didn't realize right away when people gave me their opinions about what I did, it wasn't ever about me. It was about mm -hmm. them and their fears. It was interesting. They'd be like, will you ever find a job again if you want to be a lawyer again, if you move back? And I think as, it was an interesting insight. And I loved the difference when I was able to read, you know, ever, all the people who said either I did that or I was thinking about that or do you want to just chat? And I thought it really showed. So, yeah, her bravery made a big difference, I think, to lots of people. Mm hmm Lisa, um, I will do mine next because we've got you wrapping up the episode. So we'll just go out of order for a moment. So my last uh, Gwiki is for Ms. Lisa Fine, um, for the greatest podcast partner in compliance, aka podcast wife, aka podcast spouse. Uh, it has been four and a half years, 200 episodes, over 150 guests and just so incredible you've been the really the the huge uh, consistent factor across it all in the story and I, I couldn't be prouder of frankly I'm just going to say the both of us even though this is your wiki but um uh you know specifically um you know what what you've done what you've created um the the networks and relationships that you've built in the field it's been awesome to see I loved watching so many people come up to you and hug you at the uh, conference we were just at you're a hugely recognizable name and uh, you deserve every success everything that you have done has been hard earned and I look forward to seeing your star continue to rise higher well, the funniest and best part of all of this was that at my last wiki, surprising no one and explains the relationship that we have, was one that I call the OG wiki, because you were. I mean, you've built so much in this field. I know what you just said about me, but I mean, I still remember the first time I heard you speak. I was so inspired. Like, that she was, I like went over and wanted to, was like, I need to know this woman. You were in Singapore at the time, and I was learning from you from day one. And in day, so many years later, it's the same. But we've also gotten, you know, feel that the friendship and the knowledge and the the fact that, like, always knowing that you're around, you know, to have my back and to, to just eat, I mean, and to just chat about any topic compliance related or life related, but mm -hmm. just knowing that that you're out there doing that and, and always fighting the fight, the right, the good fight to do the right thing for women in the field, for your organization. I still don't know how you sleep. And you know, I still envy, I, I mean, I'm still going to take your style tips as well as your substantive tips, if that's okay. Um, oh, but thank you. I, I feel very, very fortunate for the experience that we've had. You are still my podcast, uh, why you fly it sometimes you Thank might be you. My side you might be my side piece too but we're into you know, me now but <laughs> I, there's one if there's something I'm the most proud of of in my career is getting the chance to sort of you know latch on to you do this with you and end up with such a wonderful friendship and to be so excited for your next adventures that and I think hopefully people will hear how much we not only care about the podcast but the field and each other as friends mm -hmm. and really if you're going to be women in this field, I think, and, and to do what we've done, like, 
I think it's awesome. And I'm so excited for everything this fall. I really do feel like I, I hope I always get to be your hype woman. Oh, that was very generous. Um, that was definitely worth a lot of consultancy fees and hype for sure. Um, some of these PR people trying to get people on podcasts, they really need to take a, a leaf out of your book and learn from you. They'd get, I think, better better hits and success rates. Well, but then what could we laugh about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You be, you still better send me some of those crazy ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the people who keep asking, Mary, and I'll just say that when they keep saying, well, I can't wait. You know, to we really are very interested in your podcast. We love it. We have a male branding expert who's looking forward to speaking to both of you soon. Um, oh, so damn. red flag. Happened, still not happening. But I will wrap us up, even though I would want to stay on for hours because we will probably have a real toast before, during, after, like we did this past week. But on behalf of the first two hundred episodes of Quick, Mary Shirley and me the co-hosts of this podcast until we sign off now. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of our journey. And thank you to Mary for everything she's done. Have a great day to all of our listeners and everybody enjoy the rest of the summer as we will hope that you're having the best one. And thank you again, Mary. Bye -bye. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.